Well, hey, this morning, uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell. I don't know if I introduced myself yet. Lead pastor here at Antioch. Thanks for worshiping with us. It's been so sweet this morning already, and uh, such a great just day to be in God's presence. Uh, but we are, we're, you guys are in for a treat this morning, because uh, I'm not preaching today, but my lovely wife is going to be sharing the word today. And um, listen, guys, this is, this is like... This is like same level as Francis Chan is what we're talking about right here. I'm talking when she brings the words. You better be ready for some conviction. You better be ready for some stirring in your faith, all right? All right. I'm, not, I'm just making it more uncomfortable for her right now. Sorry. So what I actually mean is she doesn't often share. This is not like her favorite thing to do, but I think that's actually fitting for me to communicate that to you guys because Beth hears God's voice. And um, she's imperfect in that, but she does have a stronger um, just grace to hear the voice of God. And this message this morning is on a topic called patient endurance. Everybody say patient endurance. She has been thinking about this, mulling over this, studying scripture, talking to God a lot about this over the last several months. Maybe it's been over a year, maybe a year and a half. And, um, you know, if she's willing to get up and share, especially up to something she's been um, just journaling with God through for over a year, I just want to encourage you guys, like, I think God wants us to hear something this morning. <laughs> I think, you know, again, because it's not maybe her favorite thing to do, but I think God wants us to receive something today, uh, and this is not an opportunity for, you know, Beth just to do a good job. This is something that I think is from the Lord. There's a word inside of her that we need to receive, and even just the topic of patient endurance, it is, um, you know, just such a struggle for all of us, and ever increasingly so in this generation, we just don't know how to persevere. We don't know how to endure. We don't know how to push through hardship without, you know, quitting or giving up or throwing fits. But the Lord, there's, there's more. There's more from God. He wants us to enter into a grace to receive this message and learn how to do this. And so we're going to receive from Beth this morning. Does that sound good? All right, give it up for Beth Welch here. I'm going to pray over my lovely bride here. Try not to get too distracted. Lord, I thank you that you gave me the most beautiful woman in the world. And God, I just pray your blessing over her today. Pray you fill her with the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that she would share your word with joy, with conviction, and that, Lord, we would receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Take it away, babe. Have fun. Hi, guys. Um, I really am honored to speak today, but he's right. Usually if I'm up here, I've been dragged up here. So, uh, But today, I really do feel like God has put this teaching on my heart and to, like, to give to you. And so I'm just hoping that in the midst of my weaknesses, like the Holy Spirit moves in your heart. Um, like you said, I've actually been writing a Bible study on this um, for a while now. I wish I had it to give to you. I've spent hours and hours on it, but it's nowhere near being done. So um, you'll just have to wait for that for another time. But this might even feel a little bit more like a teaching than a sermon. I'm not, you know, as gifted in communicating as other people. But hopefully it won't feel like I'm a boring professor up here. Um, you actually should be glad I'm married to Mitchell. Otherwise, you might have had to sit through like a six-hour long seminar. I really love to just like go verse by verse and like go deep in the revelation of the scriptures. Um, but that wouldn't, wouldn't really work for today. Um, um, what do I do? So some of you probably don't know me. Um, I am a part-time preschool teacher, actually. Some of you might not know that. But we have a lot of fun. I teach three- and four-year-olds, and we have a blast. Um, I also am a mom. I stay. I mostly stay home with my two younger girls. If you don't know our kids, we have four of them. The oldest, Josiah, is ten. 
Um, then we have an eight-year-old, Micah, who's actually up there because he's sick today. Hi, Micah. Um, he's eight. Um, and then we have a four-year-old daughter, Arabella, and a two-year-old daughter, Ava. And so if you see a bunch of mostly redheads running around, those are probably my kids. Um, but I also I wanted to share a little bit about how motherhood has changed me. Um, it's been, if you know my personality, having four kids is kind of a stretch. But I love it. Like the Lord, it's just, I'm so thankful. I really am so, so thankful. But just the way that God has used my kids to grow me and shape me, to like expand my capacity, to make me look more like Jesus, is just so incredible. And it's just like the, the hard things about motherhood that, I mean, I joke all the time. I'm like, I guess I'll sleep when I'm 60. I mean, it's like when the kids are out of the house, I guess maybe I'll get sleep. But I mean, it's just there's a lot of really hard things about being a mom. Um, but the Lord has used those hard things to make me stronger. And I really am a different mom today than I was when I first had Josiah. And, I, so, and, and that, so that ties a little bit into my, our sermon today, A Patient Endurance, of I want you to see how the hard things that come in our life, the hard things that we endure, the Lord can use those to strengthen you. And, um, rather, and we can choose to, walk, to grow rather than be frustrated and upset that we have to endure them. Um, so I'm going to start by reading out of Hebrews. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews 10. And while you're turning there, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a little story about how this idea of patient endurance was brought to my mind. So a few years ago, um, our family was going to this conference in Waco, Texas. So we piled all four of our kids in the car and drove the seven hours, but really, you know, it turns into 12 if you have little kids. And, you, and then we drove all the way to Waco, Texas, and we were so excited to go to this conference to, like, have this incredible, powerful worship times, incredible teachings, just be filled up, and that was, like, what we were going in. But it's no small task to take all of your kids for this long journey, but we got to Waco, we ate lunch, and then we immediately went to the ER and then was admitted into the hospital. So long story short, our youngest, Ava, had gotten a bladder infection, and so we had to be in the hospital for about three days. So instead of going to the conference, we got to sit in a hospital for three days and miss half the conference. And honestly, I was pretty frustrated. I was like, why did I drag my four kids all the way to Waco, Texas to sit in a hospital? Um, I, so I was, I was just like grappling with that, and I just didn't want to be there, obviously, for multiple reasons. Um, but I, I felt this like nudge in my heart of like, wait a minute. What if God wanted to do something different in me than what I was expecting? What if he had something for me that I could only learn by being in the hospital? And so I asked him, I was like, Lord, like, what is it that you want to teach me? What is it that you want to do inside of me that I have to be in this hospital to learn? And he spoke the words so clearly. He spoke patient endurance. And it just really resonated with me because Honestly, it was a season that we were going through, but it wasn't something that I had had on the forefront of my mind. But, I mean, we through all the things, like the things the world was going through with COVID, through starting to, trying to plan a church, through relational dynamics that were hard, and then through this hospital experience, like, it just felt like we were in a season of patient endurance. And so that's kind of... Um, you know how at first the Lord first brought it to my mind. And so I want you to see that in the midst of something hard, I was able to find God in the midst of it. 
Okay, so um, back to Hebrews 10. So if you're there, we're going to start in verse 32. For context, the book of Hebrews is written to the persecuted Jewish Christians. And so you'll see in the first, I wanted to include the first couple of verses so you can kind of see a little bit of what they're going through as they're being, um, as the main verse that I want to point out is being spoken. So it says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. And I love that because there's, he's saying you are okay with going through the hard things because your mind and your heart were set on things bigger than yourself and things not in this world. And says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. And so this is the verse 36 that I want you to really look at. It says, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And then it keeps going. It says, for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. It's talking about Jesus coming back. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And then look at verse 39. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So that verse 36 and verse 39, if you don't really hear anything else I say today, I want you to remember those two verses, to remember that we have need of endurance so that we can receive what is promised. And then in verse 39, that we have the confidence that actually we are not those who shrink back, but we are those who have faith. So I'm going to pray. God, I just pray today that as you speak to us through your word, that our hearts would be stirred with this need for patient endurance, you would show us, how do I walk in it? How do I, how do I live out patient endurance? And that you would give us all the things that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so you might be asking, like, why do, I, why do I need this? Like, why is Beth even talking about this today? Well, when I, when I look at our world, and especially this younger generation coming up, which comprises a good chunk of our church, I really see that it's becoming increasingly difficult for us to endure hard things. Um, like It's like we lack the grit to just like, or the oomph to just like press in, you know? Um, I honestly, I started seeing this about 10 years ago when I was teaching high school geometry. And my students, if they had to go more than like three steps to answer the problem, they were like, uh, no, that's too hard. I'm not going to do that. I was like, listen, if you just do these three steps, you'll get there. It's not that hard. They're like, mm, no, no thanks. Um, but don't you see that, like, in our culture? Like, if, if, if we have to, like, take these hard steps, we're like, our first step, our first thought is like, uh, no, I don't want to do that. It's too hard. Um, we just, like, lack the ability to, like, press in to get to the end result. I also see it a lot in our American culture. Like, we value ease and comfort. We want things to be fun and happy. Honestly, we think life should just be good and easy all the time. Or at least I do. Um, but the reality is when it's not that way, we like literally we don't know what to do. 
we want to ignore it, we want to cut it out, or maybe we turn to blaming, or we quit, or we walk in anxiety and depression, or frustration, or we run away, or we turn to poor coping mechanisms, which that could be a wide range of different things. But the reality is we just don't really know how to dig in our heels and keep running. So my question to you today is, what is your perspective on life? Like, what do you really think life is supposed to look like? Because I think that this perspective will change our view on the things that happen to us. Um, like, if I expect life to be easy and perfect, I'm probably going to be mad and blame someone when it's not. Um, so my question is, do you ever blame God when things are hard? Do you get frustrated when you have to wait for something to come to pass? How do you handle pain or discomfort, whether that's emotionally or physically? What do you do when things don't go your way or when things are just really honestly plain hard? What's your reaction? Because I think it shows what's in our heart. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus, right here, he says that we will have tribulation. But he also says, I have overcome the world. And he also says that we can have peace in him. So going back to Hebrews 10, um, where it says we have need of endurance, um, so that when we've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Just we, God is telling us that we need to endure so that we can receive the full promise. Jesus also says in Luke 21, 19, he says, after he's talking to his disciples about some hard things that they will eventually endure, he says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. So we need patient endurance. If we endure, we will experience his fullness in our life. Um, and so I want us to see that we actually can endure. Because I think some of us don't think that we can. Like, I think we think we can just, we're just barely making it. But I want us to, like, walk out of today with confidence that not only do we need it, but that we can do it. So you might be asking, okay, what in the world is patient endurance? So I looked up some definitions, and so they're going to be on the screen. The first thing I looked up was the definition of endurance. And so it is the ability to withstand hardship or adversity, and especially the ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity. It even used the example of running a marathon. Um, it's also the act or an instance of enduring or suffering. So when you look, you can take pictures of that if you want. But if you look at that definition, what are some things that stick out to you? For me, I see hardship and adversity. And I think the reality is, from that, I take out, I take that you actually can't endure unless there's something hard to endure. Um, and also, the word I don't really like there in that definition is prolonged, because I don't really, I want to just, again, not have to go through it for a long period of time. I want it to be over, so I can go back to my comfort and ease. Um, but if you've ever run a marathon, I run a half, not a full. I'd love to run a full. But it's not, it's long and it's grueling, and it's, it's prolonged. 
Okay, so um, I also looked up the definition of perseverance because sometimes it's translated as that. And so the definition of perseverance is that it's the continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. So again, we see difficulties, we see opposition, and we even see failure. This is my face when I think about failure. Um, but, but we also see, what do you see? The effort to achieve something. I thought that was really cool because it's not just about making it through, but we can actually achieve something in the midst of persevering. Um, and then, so then I asked myself, okay, so what is adding the word patient due to these definitions? So I looked at the word patient. And um, there's two of them that really stuck out to me. The first one, I literally was like, how in the world is this the first definition of patient? But it's bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. Um, And being steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. There those words are again. But what sticks out different about this is the calmly and without complaint. So I think it adds a dimension of waiting with grace. So not just waiting and enduring, not just gritting my teeth and making it through, but actually doing it without complaining, not being frustrated. So it's going for the heart condition. What's the condition of my heart when I'm enduring? So there's actually a fun Greek word. I love this kind of stuff. But there's a Greek word that um, embodies this, and it's the Greek word hupomene. And look at the definition of it. It says cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy, enduring, patience, and patient continuance. Continuance. Um, Guys, do you think of hopeful and cheerful when you think of patiently enduring? Because I don't. Um, But that's what the Bible is saying we can do. We can be cheerful or hopeful in the midst of our enduring. Um, And actually, this word, hupomene, is in nearly every scripture that I read to you today. Um, Now, there's a resource called the Blue Letter Bible, and it talks about in this resource how this word is used. And there was something that really stuck out to me, and so I want to read it to you. But it talks about how this word is used in the New Testament as a characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. So um, it's a person who is not swerved away from what he's doing, not swerved away from his loyalty to God, from the way his life looks, by even the greatest trials. So what does that look like for us? Well, it means it's a, it's a person who doesn't turn to sin when things are hard. It's a person who doesn't take a break from life group or Sunday services because he's having a hard day or hard week. It's a person who still spends time with God even when they're not feeling it. Because I think at the heart is that no amount of waiting or trial should change the way our heart follows God and what he's called us to do. And so this is just, in my opinion, a characteristic of walking in patient endurance. And so my invitation to you is, is that something that you want? Like, do you want that? Or do you want to be defeated by your trials and changed by them? Okay? So if you want this... You might be asking, okay, well, like, how do I get it? What does it look like? Okay. 
So I thought about giving you a list of different trials that we can patiently endure. But the reality is that it's so hard to narrow down what it looks like to walk in patient endurance because we all go through different things. And it feels and looks so different for everyone. Even in my life, I have these different varying degrees of things I have to patiently endure. Some are so, 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 so hard. Some kind of feel silly to me. Um, But we're going to look at the Bible at a couple of people. So in Hebrews, I read from Hebrews 10, but in Hebrews 11, um, you get, you're, it's a pretty famous chapter in the Bible. It's listing all these different men and women of God who um, were commended by God for their faith, and they saw God move in powerful ways. Um, but when you, when you actually look at their lives and you look in the Old Testament, you actually read their stories, they endured some crazy hard things. And it's really just a wide variety of what it looked like for all of them. But the reality is, if you look in the Bible, literally every single person who's ever done something for God had to patiently endure really hard things. Okay? So um, you can study those people in your own time. They're like some pretty well-known people that list there. Um, I think it's helpful, at least for me, I feel comforted knowing that there are generations of people that have gone before me that have walked in trials but come out on the other side. It fills me with hope and confidence. So I encourage you to look at that on your own. But I found, I'm going to pick, I picked a little chunk of scripture that really honestly just kind of like struck me because of the dichotomy of it. So at the beginning of it, it talks about all these crazy, powerful things that they were seeing God do. And then literally in the middle of one verse, it shifts. And then it starts talking about all these crazy hard things that they do. So you can look for the shift as we read it. So it's in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, so here's the list, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped to the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Can you imagine enduring such things? They saw some crazy powerful things, and yet they endured some crazy hard things. It was just kind of the reality of their lives. And kind of the way that I read it in the scripture, it feels like it's almost in a single breath, like this and this happening together. They both existed. And I think the reality is we all have our Hebrews 11 stories of God showing up in big, powerful ways over here. But over here, we have these painful stories. Maybe we aren't really dealing with the threat of being sawed in half, but we have our things that sometimes feel just as dramatic. Um, So I'm going to tell you a little story of me having to wait a couple months to find a job that I was going to have next year. So honestly, this kind of sounds 
silly, right? It's like not that big of a deal that I had to wait a couple months to figure out what job I was going to have next year. But honestly, it felt pretty challenging for me. (laughs) And I was literally preparing this sermon and the Lord kind of nudged me. I was like, Beth, you're like going through a little bit of a patient endurance season right now. And I was like, gosh, I honestly feel kind of embarrassed about how much I was struggling through with this Um, because I felt like I was being a little bit of an impatient child. And, but the reason why I'm wanting to tell you this story is because, um, well, because it's recent and I, I just also want to kind of show you how in the midst of me wrestling, I sought the Lord and he spoke to me so clearly and then he did what he said. And at the end of the day, he, he just, he did what he said and I'm hoping that it gives you a hope for whatever you're going through. Obviously this is not that hard, and I know many of you are going through much, much more painful things, but I'm, I'm hoping that you can kind of see the Lord in the midst of this story. So uh, uh, last semester, I kind of felt the Lord moving to start applying for teaching jobs, um, but I had all these, like, different pieces that I needed. So one being I want to be home with my kids as much as possible because I still have my little girls. But I also had this financial need. And I just had, like, all these different pieces. And I was literally working in my own strength trying to figure out how am I going to get all these pieces to work. And I, I was like, I don't even know if it's, like, really even possible. But I remember praying to God and being like, God, I know that you're big enough to do it. I know that you're big enough, even though with my eyes, it doesn't feel like this could work or this could happen. So I'm like going, going, and and just honestly, just in this waiting game. And it started getting to the point where I felt like all these doors that I was really hopeful for were starting to close. And I was like, (gasps) kind of mildly freaking out. And so I would just like... I was constantly praying. If Mitchell was asking me, what in the world are you thinking about? I was at the job situation every week. That's all I was thinking about. Always, I mean, it's just so silly. But um, the Lord, I was spending time with God one morning, and the Lord gave me this picture. And in the picture, I was in a boat, and I was death gripping the dock. And, like, and it stood for I was, like, wanting control. And his, he was beckoning me, Beth, let go of the dock and, like, let the boat go out into the unknown waters. But it was a matter of, it, it can't, will I trust God? Like, will I trust God to lead my boat, or do I feel like I have to lead the boat? And so that was the direction that I felt like the Lord was giving me. And I love that because in the midst of my, like, anxious thoughts and doings, he spoke something so clear to me that gave me peace and comfort, and it also gave me direction in the midst of the waiting. And so, and then, you know, every time I try to go over here and do something, Mitchell's like, Beth, are you holding on to the dock? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. Okay, so let's let go of the dock. Um, Then another day, um, I was, again, I was feeling so anxious because I was like, I just need to know. I just need to know. Doors are closing. And um, the Lord, I was cooking dinner, actually, and I was praying. And God spoke to me, gave me another picture. And in this picture, I was this little impatient girl. And the adults, they told me to sit down in the middle of the room. And I had to wait there. And the adults were all around me, and they were planning something. And the sense that I got was that they were planning this really awesome thing for me. And it was even going to be better than what I, like, thought it was going to be. But me, as a little girl, I was, like, wanting to 
jump up and go run to the adults and talk to them and say, what are you doing? And like ask, because I wanted to, I was mad that I was not in the know. And, but my, my thing from that was like, I need to sit and wait. That was what I was called to do. And so I sat and I wait instead of sending a bunch of emails like I wanted to do. And I, um, not a day or two later, I get this random phone call from somebody inviting me into this process to interview for this job. And this job was like, like I had thought all of these doors were closed. It was this random job that wasn't anywhere on my radar. But as they shared the pieces of it, I was like blown away at the way that it answered all of the prayers and desires that I had had. And I, and, and it came, I knew since it came not from me, that it really, and from these prophetic words that the Lord had spoken, I was like, oh, this feels like this is God. And so I got to just go on that journey. And even in the midst of the journey, I was just like fighting. But every time I had an interview, every time I had something that felt hard, the Lord spoke something so clear to me um, and just gave me the peace that I needed. And praise the Lord, I got the job. It really was by no... I mean, yes, you really should celebrate because I, I, uh, <laughs> uh, this is because it's really God. Like one of the things he spoke to me was it's not about you and whether you are, you have the qualifications, but if like, if this is the will that I have for you, then I'm going to make it happen. And I had this like unnatural favor from these leaders to have this job. And it just, I just love that because it's, it's not about me, but it's about the Lord moving and so I hope that you kind of see in that story in the midst of my painful, anxious thoughts and everything, I, as I turned to God, he spoke to me and then he answered and did exactly what he said he was going to do because he's a God who does that. Like he's, he's never not himself. Um, okay, so um, I'm going, and, and so I realize, I also realize that not every story has a happy ending. Um, and so I'm hoping that the story gives you hope, but I also want us to realize that even in the midst of the ending not happening how we want it to, God is still there in the midst of it, and we're still called to endure. So let's read in Hebrews 12. Um, so this is a very well-known verse, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary faint-hearted. So here it says, let us run with endurance. And that word there is the hupomene. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I love that it says that the race is set before us because it's already there and all we have to do is just like run. And then at the beginning where it talks about since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it's referring to the Hebrews 11 people. And it's, again, it's, we have those who have gone before us, and we can take heart that generations have gone and endured and, um, and made it through. And so hopefully that gives you 
hope. It does for me. Um, another thing I want to point out here that I, and I think it's actually very important. It's actually before it says, let us run with endurance. And I think that there is a reason for that. But it says, a lot of times we skip over it and pretend it's not there. But it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely. So if we're going to run the race of endurance, we have to lay aside our weight and our sin. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. But I want you to see it there, that before we endure, we have to drop the sin. Um, also, it says, looking to Jesus. Jesus is the one we're looking at. When we fix our eyes on him, we have the strength to keep going. Um, and then this is something that has just really been so strong in my heart. But in verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So I know that in the midst of patiently enduring, we have this tendency to feel weary and faint-hearted. But right here is the answer. It says to consider him who endure, endured, Jesus. Jesus endured. Jesus endured things that we can't fully understand. He went to the cross for us. He endured all sorts of things that he didn't deserve to endure, and he did it for us. And I think that if we remember the endurance of Jesus, then it will give us the strength to not grow weary or faint-hearted. And I love it. It says that he did it for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He was looking ahead to the future reward and not focusing on the hard thing before him because he knew that the future reward, the joy that was set before him was better than and bigger than the pain, the immediate pain that he had to endure on the cross. And I think for us, we can emulate that and look up to the future reward helps us in our weariness. Okay, so I hope by now we've all decided that we want to endure. Um, maybe we don't want to go through hard things. That is for sure. We don't. But in the midst of the hard things that happen to us that we have no control over, we want to have endurance. But here's the reality. There's often a lot of roadblocks that get in the way, things that make it hard for us to endure. So I was, I was thinking about it. I kind of came down to three common roadblocks. So they'll be on the screen. The three common roadblocks to patient endurance. Number one is entitlement. Number two is our desire for comfort and ease. And number three was from the Hebrews 12 verse sin. So what do I mean by these? Entitlement. Basically, it's like I want things to happen my way and my own time and Lord let it come easy. Like, that's how I think about it. Like, it's our, it goes back to those expectations of what life should look like. Like, I feel entitled to God doing the things that I want him to do. And so when, I, when it doesn't happen, then I blame God or others, and I become bitter. Um, so that's what I think of when I think of entitlement. And I think that probably we walk in this more than we think we do. At least I know I do. When I sit back and I'm like, why was I mad at God in the hospital? Yeah, that was why. Um, so my solution for you is, what did I do in the hospital? I asked God, God, what are you doing in this situation? What are you doing? Um, because while I, you know, I don't believe every hard thing that comes to or towards us is from God, it's also the reality that, like, God meets us there in the midst of it, you know? 
and he can use it and turn it for our good. So I can ask him, Lord, what are you doing? And, and then what that does is it gives me purpose, and I can embrace what God's doing in me because at the very least, I can, be more, I can look more like Jesus through my trial. Number two, comfort and ease. Um, wanting things to be easy. I think sometimes we think easier is the best, and anything that's not easy is not from God. It's actually an attack from the enemy, um, which is not always the case. Um, so, but I mean, that's probably what I think most of the time. Um, but my solution for you is to embrace the growth in the midst of the discomfort. So the greatest example I can use for this is working out. If you know anything about me, I love to work out. Um, and the Lord, honestly, God has spoken so many revelations about patient endurance through working out that I just want to share a little bit with you. But when you work out, like God, basically God designed our bodies to go through, when, you, when your body physically goes through stress or hard things, you're, it's actually strengthening you. So for instance, if I walk into the gym and I just pick up these easy weights that I know I can do and I'm like, look at me, I'm so successful, this is so easy, I literally am doing absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing, but I feel good about myself because I can do it. But if I actually want to get stronger, then I'm going to have to make the conscious decision to pick up that weight that I don't really want to pick up because it's uncomfortable and hard and, like, actually do the hard thing. I can't tell you how many times. I literally, not a single workout time do I go by without my trainers. Some way saying, okay, those reps that you don't want to do, those are the most important. And I realized even just, like, yesterday, I was like, when I want to quit, that's when I need to keep going. Like, because when I want to quit, that's when, like, the actual growth is happening. But that's where it's uncomfortable. That's where it comes down to, like, am I willing to, to press in and push through? Or do I just want to, like, settle for easier? Um, and so um, I think we don't want to go through hard things. But the reality is sometimes it's through that discomfort and that hardship that we're actually growing stronger. And I, again, that's why I'm a better mom now than I was 10 years ago. I mean, I really didn't want to go through all that lack of sleep and hard things, but I've grown significantly through those places of discomfort. Um, and I believe that every step of growth that I experience is actually preparing me for what the Lord has for me. And, and honestly, I'm like, uh, when I look back at my life, all those hard things that I endured, they've helped shape me into the person that I am today and given me either the character or the strength to hold the things that the Lord has put in my life now. And I think without them, it, it would just look really different. And so, um, okay. And then the last one is sin. So really... A lot of us want to hold on to sin instead of 
righteousness or purity. But again, in the Hebrews 12 verse, it says we have to drop that weight. We have to drop that sin. So the thing that I thought, of course, work out. But the thing that I thought about is there's this exercise called the farmer's carry. And it's where you pick up this obnoxious dumbbell in both of your hands and you like walk. And one time I was doing this and my trainer was like, Beth, go faster. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like carrying almost my weight in dumbbells. I cannot go any faster. And it hit me that if I want to run faster, I've got to drop the weights, right? So if I want to run the race of endurance, I can't do it as well if I have these weights. So your solution is get rid of the weights. Um, you might, and so I want you to ask yourself, is there any sin that I need to get rid of? Now, I think most of you want to stop walking in sin, but maybe you don't know how. And, you know, you're like, Beth, it's not as simple as just dropping the dumbbells, okay? It's, it's harder. But um, this is the power and the beauty of community and discipleship, spending time with God. Really, this is another message for another day, um, but I wanted to at least address it in a small way. And so my admonition to you is to get plugged into community and learn how to walk this out within the context of community. Okay, so those are the three roadblocks, entitlement, comfort and ease, and sin. Um, So to close this message, though, I want to give you four things that have helped me to endure, and I think will help you endure as well, okay? Okay, band, you can come on up as I go through these. Okay, so four things. Are they up there? Okay. Four things to help you walk out in patient endurance, or how can I endure? I came up with these cutesy terms. I'm not very creative, so this is as cutesy as I get, okay? So number one, let your desperation lead to intimacy. Let your desperation lead to intimacy. Number two, God is good no matter what. And number three, thankfulness wins the day. And then number four, embrace the stretching. So number one, what I mean by number one, let your desperation lead to intimacy. This is where in the midst of feeling desperate, you turn to God. You turn to him and walk in a greater measure of connection with him. God is your strength. He's not the one to blame. Turn to him and he will answer. Don't run from God. Turn to him. Because the heart of patient endurance is actually turning to God for our strength, our hope, our shelter, our reward. And this is the key. Like we have this foundation of spending time with God, but I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about you need extra time. Go to him frequently in prayer and worship. So this could be like, I'm going to give you examples from my life, falling on my face and crying in my room, okay, it could also be talking to him while you're doing laundry or dinner. My favorite is the radio in the car. I have 20 minutes to go pick up my boys. And so I tell the girls, this is mommy time. And so I, I turn on the worship and I just worship. And I, I can't tell you how much that has changed my life. The, the worship music reminds me of the truth and I declare it in my heart and I choose it in my heart. And I hear his voice clearly and I get to be honest with him. That's what we need. And I don't think I can walk in patient endurance without this. Um, number two, God is good no matter what. You have to make the decision to believe this. You have to make it because God's goodness and the truth of his character doesn't change. 
Sometimes we look around and it feels like it's not true, but we have to make the choice that it is true and I'm going to believe it. And so this is where the word of God comes in because that the word of God never changes and it shows you the character of God all throughout generations. Here's the, here's the deal. God doesn't need to prove that he's good because he just is. And the fact that we even question it actually speaks more to our entitlement and our perspective rather than his actual character. So if we doubt God's goodness, we're actually, basically, if you think about it, we're equating it to God's not doing the things that I want him to do. And so let's never stray from what we know to be true and let's press in. And let's have our hope set in Jesus, not the end result. Okay, number three, thankfulness wins the day. Never underestimate the power of thankfulness. It changes your heart and your perspective in ways we can't understand. If you're, like, struggling, just start listing off things you're thankful for. I do this all the time. It actually makes the hard things seem smaller, and it changes your perspective and helps you see what's actually important. So I I just encourage you, fight your battles with thankfulness. And then number four, I talked about that already, embrace the stretching. Talked about that with working out. But just, like, see it with the perspective of being strengthened to do what he's called you to do rather than something bad is happening to you. Okay, so I'm going to end it today with just remembering going back to that hospital story. It wasn't a happy ending. We missed half the conference. We had to sit in the hotel. hotel. I wish it was the hotel. The hospital. Pay for the hospital. But you know what? It was not the end of the world. We made it. And again, I know many of you are walking through much, much harder seasons that I can't even begin to imagine. And so I don't want to minimize that at all. And I've walked through really, really challenging seasons as well. But I do know that God has peace and strength for you in the midst of it. And you can walk in patient endurance. So remember Hebrews 10. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So, Lord, God, would today, would all of us who feel like we need a touch from you, God, would we sense your presence? Would Would we believe that you are good? Would we embrace the strength that you want to give us? God, would we choose to fight our battles with thankfulness? And would we turn to you in the midst of the hard things? Would we find you to be our strength and our shelter, our hope and our future?